an entitled jerk tries to ruin my life by spreading false rumors about me at the church I used to go to. And after being so hurt and emotionally destroyed, I decided to get some revenge and exposed him for the creep and the weirdo he is and effectively ruined his life and his reputation forever. Here's what happened. So about six to seven years ago, I was a student at a conservative Christian college. I had attended the same Bible-believing church since I was a small child. It was large, about a thousand members, but not really one of those mega churches that you might find. The church had been an enormous part of my life for as long as I could remember. I played piano for the youth choir. I preached at the children's church service. I drove the church bus to pick up other children, etc. I did all of this for free too, by the way. Not even getting reimbursed for any expenses. During my senior year in college, we got a new minister of music, education, and youth. Now, this guy was as charming as an ice cream sundae with razor blades in it. I'll call him Mr. Charming for the sake of the story. And all of the deacons and their wives thought that he walked on water. He was straight up an authoritarian jerk. In his first meeting with the church youth group, he announced that he had been hired to straighten out the youth group itself. One of his favorite sayings was to say, when I tell my disciples jump, the only questions they'll be asking is how high and how far. Now, the adults loved him, but the youth absolutely hated him. Within a few weeks, half of the high school and college students, all of those without parents in the church, basically quit coming to church. Most of the youth directors would have gotten into trouble over this, but he had the audacity to proclaim in front of the entire congregation that he had eliminated all the thorny ground from the youth group and that the pastor and all of the deacons loved him for it. He didn't waste any time going after what he really wanted though. He wanted the pastor's job. The pastor was about 60 years old. Within a few weeks of Mr. Charming's arrival, rumors started circulating about the pastor's health. He was an avid runner and a cyclist and apparently he just didn't seem to be as mentally sharp as he used to be. The worst of all, however, was the accusation that the pastor was really too liberal for the church. And in my denomination, it was a kiss of death to even be suspected of being a liberal. Now, none of these accusations made any sense, but people kept talking about them. I have no idea why the pastor didn't find out. Or maybe he did find out and was just too scared to do anything about it. Now, in some denominations, like Catholic or Methodist, the denomination assigns a pastor, but not my church. Each church calls the minister. This guarantees that every pastor always walks a razor edge, meaning that the slightest slip up and you are definitely out. And you don't even need to slip up. Maybe you even do the right thing and it still offends enough people and then just like that you're out. Or in this case, maybe just like the pastor, some creep just lies about you and decides that he wants your job. And since the church often owns your house, your entire family is suddenly homeless and destitute. Eventually though, I became a target and I honestly still don't know why. A couple of months after starting to work for my church, Mr. Charming called me and informed me that my services were no longer needed. So I was out when it came to youth choir, children's church, as well as bus ministry. In fact, he said he didn't even want me to participate in any of these functions at all, not even go to Sunday morning worship service. I later found out that members of his family had been hired by the church at very nice rates of pay to perform these functions that I'd been doing for free for such a long time. His wife got paid more for playing a beat-up piano at the one-hour youth choir rehearsal than the main organist got paid for playing the adult choir rehearsal, plus Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. I mean, the wife could barely pick out the notes on a piano. This lady radiated bitterness, resentment, and repressed anger, but she rarely said anything. She just sat there and glared, which was somehow even creepier than when she spoke. Now, when this happened, I was very hurt emotionally, so I 
dropped by the pastor's office and tearfully asked him what I'd done wrong. I couldn't get a straight answer, except for the fact that he told me that people are saying things about me and that if I wanted to get a good recommendation from him to our denomination's minister school, then I'd better shut up and do what I'm told. So I started asking all of my church friends what people were saying about me. Everyone, and I mean everyone said to me, well, I didn't want to tell you and I don't believe it, but here's what I heard. And according to the rumor mill, I had gotten my girlfriend pregnant, forced her to get rid of the child, if you know what I mean, and that I had been arrested for possession of the herb, and my dad had to pay a bunch of money just to keep people quiet. I mean, these were the rumors that were being spread. So I did what the pastor told me to do. I never darkened the door of that church ever again. It really hurt my feelings. I had devoted my life to that church since I was a little kid, but I had to have the pastor's recommendation to get into the minister school that I wanted to go to, and the pain was just unbearable even driving by the church. So I decided to keep my distance, but I started thinking about Mr. Charming. Anyone who was that evil had to have some kind of past, and it probably wasn't a good one. I knew that just before working for my church, he had worked at a large church in the same denomination in a small town about 50 miles away. That church was actually about twice the size of my church, so he had moved from a big church to the same job at a smaller church. I mean, is that a bad career move? Is he running away from something? There was something rotten in Denmark, and it smelled like an opportunity for me. Now, as luck would have it, one of my uncles and his family lived in that same small town, although none of my family attended Mr. Charming's former church. So I called one of my cousins, told her my story, and enlisted her as a co-conspirator. We'll call her Anne. Anne is not her real name. The next Sunday morning, Anne and I attended Sunday school and morning worship at Mr. Charming's old church. Although Anne had never been a member of that church, it was a small town where everybody knew everyone. So she knew most of the people there. She started asking about Mr. Charming and we got an earful. Every one of her friends said that Mr. Charming was a world-class creep. He would flirt with and even make suggestive comments to all the girls in the youth group, even those in junior high. Mind you, this guy was 40 plus years old. He had a wife and three children of his own. And then there was the touching. Never anything obvious or illegal, but he loved to put his hands all over the young ladies, whatever their parents weren't around, of course. But, just like at the former church, the adults loved him because he kept the youth in line. Our investigation went on for several weeks. I kept a low profile as to not arouse any suspicion. Mostly, I just stood around, ate donuts, drank coffee, and talked about football. And did most of the work. Because she knew so many people, and it was perfectly natural for her to attend this church in her hometown, even if it was not the church she usually attended. After church was over, we would go to her house, have a delicious Sunday lunch cooked by my aunt, and then write down everything we had learned. By then, Anne's whole family were in on my investigation. They were as angry as I was about the way I had been treated, and our weekly report made interesting lunchtime conversations. Within a few weeks, I was sure that all I had to do was drive a few of these young ladies and their parents and friends and uncles down to my old church and let them tell their stories to the parents of a few girls in the youth group, and Mr. Charming would become Mr. Unemployed. But it kept getting better and better, so Anne and I just kept digging, and I really wanted to keep a low profile if I could, because I didn't want to upset the pastor any more than I already had. He knew a lot of people in the denomination, and he could easily ruin my ministerial career before it even started. Finally, after a month or so, Anne grabbed me by the sleeve and said, you've got to hear this. She introduced me to a very well-dressed, very large guy, maybe 30 to 35 years old. I'll call him Fred. We slipped off into a Sunday school room where we could not be overheard. It turned 
turned out that Mr. Charming had had a multi-year affair with Fred's wife. Fred had kept his cool when he found out, talked with a lawyer, and had spent months gathering evidence. Text messages, voicemails, emails, even photos and videos with Fred's wife and Mr. Charming in them. And let's just say these videos are something of Mr. Charming's own makings. Now finally, Fred confronted his wife. She denied everything, but the evidence was just too much. Fred told her that he wanted a divorce, full custody of the children, their house, his retirement money, his business, her engagement and wedding rings, everything. Even the dog. She hired a lawyer, but laws and courts being what they are, in this Bible Belt County, her lawyer told her that if the judge saw the videos, she would be lucky if she ended up in a homeless shelter with all of her worldly possessions under her bunk in a garbage sack. Then, Fred turned his attention to Mr. Charming. Fred still sincerely loved his wife, and he was convinced that Mr. Charming had deliberately ruined his marriage. He took Mr. Charming to court and sued him for loss of consortium, and otherwise making him legally miserable would just take too long. And this all happened in the rural Deep South. Many people around here prefer a more direct approach. In the rural counties, the police and any jury of your peers will probably include people who have known you since kindergarten. So, if you have a good reason for your actions, and you aren't too stupid about it, there are things that you can do. So, Fred scheduled an appointment with Mr. Charming in his church office, who did not suspect a thing because Fred was a deacon and his children were in the church youth group. Remember that I said Fred's a big guy? He is six foot six, weighs about 300 pounds, and if there was an inch of fat on him, he hit it really well. He looked like the kind of guy who could pull up a 100-foot oak tree by the roots without even breaking a sweat. Fred told me that he brought several friends with him, and of course, he brought the videos. One friend blocked the door, and another unplugged the phone. A third one stood behind Mr. Charming and encouraged him to stay seated in his chair. Fred made Mr. Charming watch about 10 minutes of one of the videos. Then he said calmly to him, I'm going to stand here and watch you pack up your stuff. Then you're going to walk out of this building and never show yourself in this town ever again, or I will be back. And when that happened, Mr. Charming did as he was told. A month later, he had a new job at another church, which was my old church, and started ruining another whole set of lives, including mine. Now, Fred actually did not know where Mr. Charming had gone. He had been led to believe that Mr. Charming had moved out of state. He was surprised, gratified, and angered to learn that this scumbag was only 50 miles away. This had all happened just a few months before. Fred was still deeply in love with his wife. They were getting counseling, and he hoped that they could save his marriage. But his hatred of Mr. Charming was still powerful and has been reignited by my telling him that Mr. Charming was living and working less than an hour away from his wife. And we're talking like Mount St. Helens a few minutes away before the explosion. He presented such a face of restrained rage and vindictiveness that it honestly scared me. And I wasn't even the one that he was mad at. So the next day, being a Monday, I drove back up there and gave him a copy of the directory of my old church. It had home addresses, phone numbers, and email addresses pretty much for every member of the church. I showed him the pages that listed all of the deacons and other church leaders, and I marked some of the church's major financial donors. I explained my situation with the pastor and asked that my name not be mentioned, to which Fred said, oh, that's no problem. Now, the next Sunday comes around, and I could not resist visiting my old church just to see how things were going. And you know what? Mr. Charming was nowhere to be seen, nor was any explanation given about what had happened to him. One weird thing, though, is that the pastor looked absolutely terrified. His voice, usually resonant, loud, and almost musically baritone, trembled during the entire sermon. I slipped in just before the service 
service started and made it a point to sit in the front row of the center pew. The look on his face when he saw me was worth all of my trouble. I didn't know it at the time, but Fred had gotten right to work and done a very thorough job. The whole church had gotten multiple anonymous emails with photos and videos of Mr. Charming and Fred's wife, and this is all in various, well, compromising positions and states of undress, if you know what I mean. Deacons and major donors got emails, plus express mail packages just for good measure. Mr. Charming and the pastor had been left out. They didn't know anything until the phone calls started pouring in. After the worship service, it did not take long for my church friends to figure out why I was there. It was very gratifying. Now, I was something of a hero, although I kept swearing that I had no idea what they were talking about. Things continued to blow up in my former church for months afterwards. Both the pastor and the pastor of Mr. Charming's old church all almost lost their jobs, and that's because they had lied to my old church's committee of deacons, who had recommended hiring Mr. Charming in the first place, and they also left out the details of why Mr. Charming had left his old job. But somehow, they all managed to stay in the pulpits at their churches, although a lot of church members left my former church, which caused some financial problems. Now, there was talk of legal action possibly being made towards the person that sent these pictures and videos, but nobody ever was able to prove that Fred did it. I don't think they tried very hard either. After all, his wife was in the photos and the videos. Both churches really did not want this to become a court case, so overall, they just kind of kept quiet about it. I never saw the old pastor ever again. I had lost all the love, trust, and respect that I had in him, and I was sure that he had figured out that I was somehow connected to the whole fiasco. So my chances of having any kind of preaching career in my denomination were precisely zero. By that time, being a pastor like the pastor I used to look up to was the last thing I wanted anyways. I withdrew my application to minister school and eventually completed a doctorate in archaeology at a different grad school. I graduated with honors and it was at a large, widely respected state university. I've been teaching at a large public university in the Midwest of the United States with summer jobs on archaeological digs in Europe. And honestly, with all things considered, I am so very happy. I had no idea what happened to Mr. Charming after he left my former church, but it didn't matter because I moved to a new, happier, and more meaningful and more enlightened life. Fast forward and I had one last gratifying event towards this situation. About six or seven years later, I went to pick up a friend at a large downtown urban bus station in the U.S. Everyone hates this place because not only is it crowded, it is also poorly maintained and filthy. It smells like spoiled garbage mixed with diesel exhaust and it has seldomly clean public bathrooms. My friend's bus was late, so I stopped by the newsstand to get myself a soda and some candy bar. And who do you think I see was restocking the shelves? That's right, it was Mr. Charming itself. I just sat across from the newsstand and enjoyed my drink and snack. He immediately recognized me and then turned away. But I just sat there and watched him, restocking shelves full of dirty magazines and junk food. And honestly, revenge is a feast that is best enjoyed cold. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, that Mr. Charming guy sounds awful. This guy literally tried to tank your career. He took things away from you that made you happy. You know, stuff that like helped you feel fulfilled in life. And he gave it away to his family so that they could make a quick buck. You weren't getting paid to do all the stuff you were doing at that church. But that guy wanted to take it away from you just to try and make a quick buck for his family members. Not to mention the horrible rumors that he spread about you. And honestly, with all things considered, I don't blame you for getting back at Mr. Charming. That guy has a checkered past. And if he didn't want that to be found out, then he shouldn't have come into that new church and basically try to ruin your life. Like seriously, that's his own fault. Because at the end of the day, he would probably still be working there if he just played nice and treated people with respect. But instead, he had to run his mouth and try and ruin another group of people, just like he did at his former church. And honestly, with all that in mind and all the awful things he did, he absolutely had exactly what was coming to him. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. Also, go to amithejerk.com slash submit if you would like to submit your own stories. I made a heart-wrenching mistake six years ago by breaking up with the perfect guy, and now I can't find peace at all, and I honestly don't know what to do. So I want to start off by saying that this is a painful memory for me to recount, so bear with me, and I hope some of you can offer insight or advice on how to find peace. A few years ago, from when I was 27 to 29, I was in a loving relationship with a genuinely amazing man. He was the kind of person that lit up the room. Always happy, genuinely caring, considerate and playful, sometimes even humorously obtuse. But I always felt happy around him and laughed a lot. Beyond that, he was smart, handsome, and truly dedicated to those he loved. We had an awesome life together for those two years. He had a young daughter by the name of Sarah. Sarah is not her real name, and she was around 7 when I met her. She's now 13. And Sarah is from a previous relationship. When he introduced me to her after 5 beautiful months together, our connection was immediate. Sarah was a bright, bubbly girl with a heart of gold. I usually never liked or bonded with kids, but there was something about her spirit. So curious, funny, and mischievous, and very cute. Over time, she began to see me as a maternal figure, especially since her own mother was often too engrossed in her own work to spend any kind of time with her. And also she found her mom quite serious and very strict. To me, it felt like they never truly bonded. Our little trio had many adventures together. We went on weekend getaways, explored museums, visited parks, and spent countless hours building memories. Yet beneath the surface, I was battling my own demons. A depression I couldn't understand and feelings of inadequacy fueled by the glossy lives I saw on social media. I never told him what I felt. Truthfully, I didn't feel depressed when I was with him. It was when I went back to my New York life, I felt it, and I thought it would go away. I was also working in a glamorous corporate job in New York while he lived a bit out in the suburbs, living a fairly unglamorous life as a data analyst in a small office company. I was making a bit more money than him, despite him being seven years older than me. The feelings of unsatisfaction never left, and I started going to therapy. Through my therapist, I figured out that I needed to understand myself and my needs way more. And if I didn't, I would never get rid of this feeling. She encouraged and supported my decision that I needed to be on my own and live on my own terms. And possibly the pressure of being a stepmom was simply too soon for me, especially since all my friends in New York were living glamorous lives with a lot of activity involving their nightlife. Basically, I had a major fear of missing out and I needed to experience it. 
So I broke up with him three or four weeks before my birthday in 2019. The sight of his broken heart and tears was heart-wrenching. He said some words with the saddest tone ever that's never left me. I remember him saying, God, I really truly felt like I had everything in my life when I was with you. You don't know how happy you've made me and my daughter. We talk about you all the time. But what really tore me apart was when he revealed that Sarah had been saving half of her allowance for months just to surprise me with concert tickets to see my favorite band. We parted ways after a really, really painful weekend in September of 2019. I took the entire week off without telling him because I felt so broken. I insisted we maintain no contact. However, we both did a couple brief check-ins during the pandemic. To this day, the gravity of my mistake weighs heavily on my heart. He's found happiness with someone else now, a beautiful and really smart girl who's also my age. While I'm really glad for him, I'm constantly haunted by the hurt I caused them both. I miss him and his daughter so much, and often I dream of them. I miss the family time we had, the hugs when all three of us would cuddle under a blanket and watch a movie, or going out for drives, playing road trip games, or me confusing Sarah with obvious false facts, and then slowly seeing her figure out that I was joking. I mean, God, it was so adorable. I wanted so badly to have a baby with him too. I was so stupid back then. And now, the new lady gets to enjoy the life I could have had, and it's honestly my own fault. I went down a spiral during lockdowns, and even afterwards, I just dated around casually, filling the void with useless relationships. I haven't really bonded with anyone else. I'm in a situationship that probably will be ending given our recent talks and fights. I have restarted therapy, which is helping, but at the same time, it changes nothing. Part of me really, really wants to reach out to him and apologize and say how much I regret it and how much I miss them. I so badly want to see them again too. On three separate occasions, I have taken an Uber to pass by their house just to see if I could get a glimpse of them, but so far I haven't. Part of me hopes that he will say that he misses me too and that he'll break up with his current girlfriend for me, but I doubt that he would ever do that. I've been stalking her a bit on social media. She has a great career. She's got a nice smile. She's far better looking than I ever was. And from some of the videos I watched, she seems cute and good-natured. I'm looking for advice on how to come to terms with my past mistakes. How can I find forgiveness and ensure I never let my internal struggles harm someone else ever again? And should I even reach out to apologize in the first place? What should I do? Okay, first off, I think you need to pump the brakes. You broke up with him and yeah, it was a mistake, but you need to respect that he has moved on and gone in a different direction in his life. You broke this guy's heart. Absolutely, that is definitely the fact of the situation. They really loved you and they probably never saw this coming. So while I don't think it's a bad idea to maybe reach out and apologize for breaking his heart, on the other hand, getting your hopes up that he would somehow break up with his current girlfriend just to try and get with you is, in my opinion, really not okay. I personally find that to be incredibly unhealthy and you're only setting yourself up for failure. Like, first off, it's really creepy that you're stalking this new lady as well as driving by their house slowly just to try and catch a glimpse of something that you don't have in your life. That is really weird and you definitely need to stop that. But also looking at the core of the matter, I really don't think he's going to break up with his current girlfriend just to get back with you. That's really weird and I just don't see that happening. So honestly, I hope you're able to get through this in a reasonable way because the way you're approaching this at the moment really does not seem healthy and I really think you're only going to be setting yourself up for failure. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you 
never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out in the description below and subscribe.